This is an ABC podcast. All right. Okay. Shall we bang on? Let's do it. on. Who's going first? Hello, Dan. <laughs> nice to be Buongiorno. back. <laughs> ciao, Bella. Ciao, Bella. Ciao, ragazzi. Welcome home. Thank oh, you. my God. So good to talk to you again. Yeah. It's been a couple of weeks. You've just returned from Eurovision, literally landing hours ago. And like the whip cracking master I am, I said, yes, you need to turn up to bang on today. The people need their Eurovision goss. How did it go? They do. Oh, look, it was, it was a fabulous time. Um, uh, first and foremost, so wonderful to just go overseas. I think that, that all of us have been feeling over the last two years, maybe a little bit, bit trapped because yeah. we haven't been able to travel and it's just such a great feeling to go somewhere else, somewhere else that's not home. Um, not that I don't love home, but that was wonderful. And then, and, and being a part of Eurovision or something like Eurovision at this time, it was just extraordinary. It's, it's one of the hardest jobs I do in that, the, 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 you work really hard to get it all, you know, the broadcasts are really long. You work really hard to get it all off the ground very, very quickly. But I've got to say, it was one of the most enjoyable Eurovisions both Joel and I have ever had. I think because with that extra added spice of just being able to, you know, when you go outside, you're in Torino in, in yeah. Italy and it was beautiful and the weather was beautiful and I'm so up myself right now for being overseas. <laughs> <laughs> but also you mentioned at this time, like it is a very specific and unique time in Europe because of what's happening in Ukraine and that felt like Obviously, with the win, it, it coloured everything that happened at Eurovision. What was the feeling on the ground? Because it, it felt like from a from an outsider's perspective, from a public perspective, people were pretty stoked that Ukraine won. I think so too. I think that was the right choice at this time. Russia was banned from the competition, which is interesting given it's, it's not supposed to be a political competition, but I think that was the right thing to do. Ukraine... Uh, came in as favourites and and won it. Uh, I think that was that was expected to a certain extent. But there were other great songs and and look with Eurovision, you never know on the night it, it, it whether or not the audiences would go with showing um, you know showing that they support Ukraine in their votes or or voting for a song that they loved. It was hard to tell which way it would go, regardless of whether or not they were already the favourites. But um, that that's where the audience voted, and I I think it was the right decision. The song was great. It, it when you're in the room and and you're feeling it, it had such strong sentiment, and the audience was so into it. There were other great songs, of course, uh, including Sheldon Riley's our own our own guy who went in and represented us beautifully. But I, I think there was just no chance really given the time. There's so much support out there for, for Ukraine at the moment and, um, yeah, it's the least we can do really. The discrepancies were pretty big though, weren't they, in the jury votes and the public votes. I mean, you know, Sheldon Riley's a perfect example. He did pretty well with the jury votes but yeah. did not resonate with the public and, you know... It, yeah, I was kind of like, whoa, was it like five points, two points? It was It was very small. It was very small. I think it was two points. But this has happened yeah. before. And there, there's a lot of talk in Eurovision circles about the fact that the the jury votes are vastly different from the audience votes because the juries are mostly made up of people who are in the music industry or mm. are musicians themselves, music experts. And, and I think when you put something like a public vote and a jury vote next to each other, there are going to be huge discrepancies always because what, say, someone like you and I might like compared to somebody else who just comes at it, maybe they don't 
you know, listen to a lot of music and and get involved in Eurovision once a year, their choice will probably be quite different to, to mine. And tastes are vastly yeah, different too. Yeah, and I'm not saying either is right, um, but the jury do tend to choose more critically acclaimed acts over, uh, I guess, the more the more popular acts, and um, and that's that's been showing up over the last few years for sure. I kind of like it because it keeps it spicy. You Absolutely. never really know, you know. And, and I know Sheldon was probably very disappointed with that, but he made the final, and that's to me that's enough. I also loved how all the countries around when um, the the public vote was dished out, I just saw a lot of people around him in the arena standing, other competitors yeah. standing and, and just applauding and giving him support, which I thought was really lovely. Yeah, he did a great job. He's got an incredible voice and his voice was pitch perfect through the whole thing and it's, yeah. hard, it's a hard slog. It's a lot of rehearsals, a lot of talking. I mean, I got crook and I've, I've got a husky voice enough already and it was, mine was terrible. Like it's it's just a lot. It's a, it's, a, it's a week of a lot of stuff and no time for anything else and I think he did a beautiful job. Everyone loved him around the auditorium. He had lots of fans and I think in a way breaking through to the European market like that is, is a great thing and you can see now the impact of something like Eurovision which was once considered pretty you know pretty tacky and funny to to some but the success of Monoskin that you know they're playing Coachella they're playing all the all the big festivals this year yeah after just one year that's it's it's kind of changed the game to a certain extent but it makes also, a difference it does it makes a difference but the best bit about it was the fact that there's still all those acts in Eurovision this year in particular, and I think because people are very much looking, were looking more inward in terms of what they wanted to re- represent to the rest of the world. So there was lots more of those just bonkers songs, lots Moldova. more. Moldova? Yeah, Moldova, bring <laughs> like it on. Moldova will always do Moldova, won't yeah, they? And that's yeah. why I love them. They'll always bring it. They always bring it. And, um, <laughs> you know, and Serbia, Constructor, she was extraordinary, oh that song about. Modern art. It was modern art. And Post-modern she, art. Oh, she was fabulous. She was the performance artist. Like, that's not Eurovision. That's just performance art, and I. I and also, can we just talk about Serbia when they were dishing out the other votes? The person who went up to announce it did the washing of the hands and the holding. It was just like it was a full piece, wasn't it? Oh, like it from was. from beginning to end. From beginning to end, you know that, that, and everybody got on board, and it was you know it was really it was a really catchy tune, and it was absolutely bonkers talking about how Meghan Markle gets her hair so shiny, and 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 a, and a, and a discussion I mean, these of are the, the questions Serbian, we want answers to. These are, but it was also a deep discussion about the, you know lack of access to healthcare in Serbia for the poor and how everyone should be treated equal but also how we look after our outer health and yet we don't look after our inner health and yeah it's um that's Eurovision for you and then you get the 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 very um traditional sounding songs as well mixed with weird beats and then just some terrible rock and roll like really <laughs> really really terrible this year I won't I won't say who but just made my heart sing to hear that it, just that Eurovision has also not changed it's gone in one direction but all the other stuff that we love about it is still there as well so that was good it was it was a hoot and it rated its absolute things off in Australia which is amazing um yeah you know I, I people are kind of getting on board again, which is lovely. We need this. We need this joy. I also need you to spill the tea. Who did you make friends with? 
Who did I make friends with? Oh. What happened backstage? What happened, what happened away from the cameras? Oh, <laughs> away from the Who cameras. Who was the wildest is what I'm asking because oh, I know you were always well, drawn to the party. And, that was me and Joel, really. We, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, we, look, it's such a hard gig. You don't get a lot of time to, to fraternise with the other folk and, and it's really dull backstage. It's actually really quite um, disappointing, I would imagine, because you're in a huge auditorium. It's called Well, it's called a bubble, literally, and that's what we're in. And there's a, a counter with a couple of shit sandwiches. And um, cans of oh my goodness, the cans of Coke. This is a highlight. Mole Cola is is the Coke. I saw you posting this. Oh. Could I find a better beverage for me for it's Mole, mole cola. cola? And it was great every day. I just said, can I have one of those Mole Colas, please? Cola for moles. Um, and you just see everyone milling about. It's all very very unglamorous backstage. It looks amazing, okay. but it's 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 pretty dull backstage. Everyone's got a tiny room along a long hall, hallway. There's there's no glamour. Um, no one gets to be gets to pretend they're above their station because you certainly get kind of thrown back to the ground pretty quickly when you have to go and order a, a weird salad at the bar and or, or, or a dodgy sandwich and, yeah, it wasn't. It's like school camp. It was. It is. It's the campest school camp there is. Campest school camp that there is. And, 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 but also just being surrounded by young, beautiful people too. Like I'm not, I'm not being, you know, like creepy old lady or anything, but just gorgeous young people doing gorgeous young people things. I felt alive, Zanne. Felt... Oh, okay, related to that, do you think that England's Submitted their most Swedish-looking singer yet, so that they had a chance at winning. Because yeah, he, he looked like a freaking Viking. He did look like a Viking, which of course I enjoyed. But um, he also, looked, yeah, he looked like he should have been in a in a Finnish band of some description. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, no, they, I think they were they're trying desperately to claw it, claw a bit of respectability back, and they certainly did it. They came pretty close. Yeah, they did pretty well. Yeah. Eurovision, for anybody who doesn't know, is not just the semi-finals and the final. There's a bunch of rehearsals as well. Like it's quite an involved affair. And I have to ask you, at any of those rehearsals that didn't go to air, did anybody fall in the water feature that was the stage? <laughs> no, unfortunately. And dangerous. No. I wish someone had. An was, infinity pool Eurovision stage. Wasn't that beautiful? I mean, who sits there and goes, okay, what are we going to do? What can we do to represent what's going on culturally here? Oh, okay, we'll, we'll represent a stage that looks like it's uh, like a, a, a castle and there's a moat around it and I imagine it's to avoid Makes stage sense. invasion, but it wasn't that deep. Um, and they created a moat. It would totally help with stage invasion. It was a moat. It was a moat. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, I just I celebrate that, celebrate I it all. It. But I, I didn't see anyone taking a dip or a dive in there, sadly. That would have been oh funny. Oh, my God. Amazing. Well, you looked incredible. Your dress literally stopping traffic, brighter than an Aperol spritz. That orange frock was amazing. <laughs> traffic cone. The shoes like as well. Cone. You didn't tell me about the show. You were a traffic cone. Traffic cone. But a really hot traffic cone. It was such a great dress. <laughs> you, you looked phenomenal. Loved Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. You were my Eurovision highlight, as oh, always. Oh, you're beautiful. Thank you for watching. It's it's kind of nice to know that people are, even when you're working overseas, um, it's nice to know that people kind of know what you're up to. It's weird. It's 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 a very strange sensation given we haven't done it we're for a couple of years. We're always watching. We're always watching. Um, hey, I've also been travelling. Yeah. I was in Shepparton on Monday and oh. Adelaide right now. So we've all got our travels. Yes. Um, but I've got to tell you the biggest update since we last spoke. I got fitted for a bra 30 years after my last <gasps> fitting. And I'm telling you this because we have spoken about this for years. It changes your life. 
Oh my God. 30 years. I did the calculations because I think like most women, we get fitted for a bra when we go through puberty and then that's it. And for some stupid reason, I thought, oh yeah, I'm just going to stay the same bra size for the rest of my life, no matter weight fluctuations, aging, all of it. Um, Amazingly, not true. I have shifted two full cup sizes, which was very confronting. But, but also amazing um, because I haven't had to rearrange my boobs since the refit. So oh I'm God. here to tell you that we've talked about the the getting fitted for a bra as a mature woman, an mm. adult woman. Mm. Um, I can highly recommend it. I've been prodded. I've been shifted. I mean, there was no touching. I did the own touching myself. The yeah. way that they actually, it was weird because, you know, when you're getting fitted for a bra, yeah. they try to be all kind of careful like, okay, so you put the new one on and then I'll take the other one off and it's just so fiddly because they don't want anything to pop out. And I'm like, can we just acknowledge that I'm going to get naked in front of you and move on? I'm fine with this. Yeah, exactly. I'm That's just going to disassociate. I'm of an age. Um, and it's like when you and people don't understand with television, you've got to have people have to put their hands up your top to put mic leads in through bits and, and, and put mic packs in your back and your bra. And I just basically say these days, and I know it's probably not right, but I'm like, it's fine. Everyone's been there. I'm not even stressed. <laughs> I'm not even stressed about it. And and sometimes I'm a little bit too casual about it because it's yeah. it's happened so often. Because everyone's doing it is very respectful. They don't exactly. want to offend. They want to yeah. ask you. They're very good. Very professional. Very professional. So 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 um, did you get like a whole new set or just one just to test out the world of, of no, being No, I got excited and I bought three. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's good. It feels good. So yeah. Welcome aboard. Um, well, it's a lot better, probably a lot more, a lot easier when you're older than, remember when you were young and I remember I got my first one at Dornese Body Fashions in Mildura. <laughs> And um, that so was illusions lingerie yeah. for me. <laughs> that was horrific. Yes. Illusions. Yeah, it's yeah. horrible. There's no illusions like... when it comes to boobs. It's just getting it done. <laughs> There's something nice about growing up and not caring about that stuff anymore. Mm. It's very freeing. Can't wait to see your new bras. Okay, I'll flash you next time okay, that we're in the same room in a, in a consensual <laughs> environment. Well, we've started talking about Eurovision and bras. This is your place for music, art, life and stuff. <laughs> Eurovision is music. Um, but, of course, we also kind of make sense of the week that was. And a lot of it's internet culture. And I tell you what, the internet was shook this week. Kendall Jenner trying to cut a cucumber. <laughs> Seems innocuous. I know. What went wrong? Well, she's never cut one before, has she? Clearly. By, by the looks of things. <laughs> and um, I think it, it spawned a whole lot of think pieces on... How well, how privilege really has affected not just Kendall Jenner, but but those that live in that kind of that kind of environment, whereby everything gets done for them, can't do some basic life skills. And cutting a cucumber, I would suspect, because that would involve also cutting a zucchini or a tomato. She's got no idea. She's never been in a kitchen. And it was taken from The Kardashians, which is the new series of their reality show. It's on Disney+. Plus. Maybe you saw the episode and it was literally like any of their reality show episodes before them hanging out. She's with her mum, Kris Jenner, and they, uh, she wants a snack. And so she's going to make a salad um, and Chris's fridge is full of lots of green leafy vegetables. Looks fantastic. Very handsome fridge. Very rich fridge. Rich and fridge. Uh, Rich fridge. <laughs> and she's like, Chris offers to, you know, get the chef to help her out. Um, but Ken was like, no, 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 I can, I can make a snack. And then we realised that she's um, never cut a cucumber before. <laughs> and the way that she's holding it, it's kind of hard to explain, but she's almost like putting one hand over the other and then cutting it. You're just waiting for her to cut her oh. fingers. It's very hard to explain. But here's what happens when she 
is clearly failing. Chris is looking on concerned because in her life she's probably cut a cucumber and she's like, this is going horribly wrong. And she, she just wants to help out, so she, she offers this. Be careful because I, I nicked myself the other day. I don't know, I'm kind of scared. There you go. Don't cucumbers have seeds? Oh, yeah, they're, they're definitely not a good cutter, so don't zoom in on me. <laughs> I'm not professional whatsoever. Hey, chef. Do you want to cut this up for her? I'll do it, Mom. It's fine. She doesn't want the chef. She wants to persevere. Oh, go for it. Go for it with the your knife and your The internet is just blown and up. Fingers. And Chris knows that it's all going wrong. Um, but it's become, like all things, this sort of, you know, people making fun of her, laughing, oh, that's silly, and then this big comment on privilege, and then people feeling sorry for her for not having basic life skills and taking it up a notch. Melbourne writer Brody Lancaster, who we've spoken about before on Bang Love On, her. and full disclosure, she's a friend of mine, Brody tweeted, obsessed with Kendall Jenner trying to prove she's not an out-of-touch spoiled rich girl by insisting on making her own snack and almost dislocating her shoulder trying to slice a cucumber. (laughs) That was retweeted almost 700 times, more than 10,000 likes. This is a nightmare scenario for anybody who's been on Twitter. I've had tweets retweeted and there's a certain point where it just goes broad Mm. and the people who are seeing it or retweeting it have no idea who you are, have no idea of your tone, have no idea of the context and that's when people start getting abusive and sure enough she's been following that up saying that she's had people in her instagram dms attacking her online and it's like that is a funny tweet that's not an offensive tweet and kendall jenner is a millionaire supermodel who can't slice a cucumber let's get some perspective here absolutely (laughs) just chill (laughs) oh brody i feel sad about that it's a good tweet it's a a good tweet. tweet it was a great tweet it makes you not want to tweet though doesn't it that Makes me of... want to slice a cucumber just to prove I can. <laughs> I feel like a, I feel like a beverage of sorts that requires a cucumber. That would work. Well, put some, you know what you need off a flight? You need a couple of cucumber slices on your oh eyes and have God, a little I relax. Do. I do. Oh. Have a little relax. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it in my mind right now. <laughs> now, Miff, mean, I'm sure that you, like everyone else, have been watching or even peripherally noticing the trial that's happening at the moment in the States. It's a defamation case um, brought by Johnny Depp against Mm. his ex-wife Amber Heard after she wrote an op-ed about an abusive partner. She didn't name him, but he is um, has launched a civil suit and is claiming lost wages um, and obviously damage to character, um, damage to public perception, etc, etc. And we're seeing it on show because, you know, many trials in the US are broadcast, which I, I don't understand, but many of them are, including this one. Um, we're seeing these stories on show of of their relationship, of the allegations um, from both parties, and we're also seeing this really weird fandom come out with people not just filling the courtrooms, people are lining up early and Johnny Depp supporters are filling, filling the physical space in the courtroom to show their support, but also the internet has a lot of pro-Johnny Depp support and on the flip side they're undermining Amber Heard's allegations and testimony through meme culture. It's so wild. And Delia Kai actually wrote about what's really driving the memeing of the trial in a Vanity Fair piece where she says the viral mockery surrounding the high-profile defamation case follows the now-codified dicta of the internet where no one is above suspicion and nothing is off-limits. It was such a great little capture of something that's I've been kind of uncomfortable with while watching this go on as well because it's basically the internet is filling up with these memes that are 
mocking alleged domestic abuse, mm. poking holes in Amber Heard's testimony and basically through that saying, we don't believe you. And the, and it's spreading too. Like on TikTok, at the time this story was published a few days ago, hashtag Johnny Depp has 19 billion views. Hashtag justice for Johnny justice Depp has 10.6 billion views. Yeah, I'm getting it in my feed and that's the thing. I'd, I've not watched an ounce of this trial purely because I, I just don't even know how to feel about it. It's... It's, it feels to me so grubby and, and, and such an awful thing to be played out in front of millions and millions and millions of people to the detriment of them both, I think. That's the, the, the difficult part of it. And not, not that Amber Heard has wanted any of this. Johnny Depp has been the instigator in bringing the, this defamation case to court. I've been staying away from it, but it's coming up in my in my feeds all the time. People you should follow on Instagram. I just get all this Johnny Depp stuff and... And justice for Johnny Depp, the hashtag, is is at the core of it all. And I'm like, why am I getting this? Is this people around me? <laughs> is this why I'm in the? I'm getting this in my algorithm? I, I, I just don't particularly understand. And this article came up with the suggestion that perhaps something like this, say hashtag justice for Johnny Depp, will prompt a reevaluation of our recent history of hashtag movements and like mm. um, hashtag free Britney, hashtag believe women. And these these have all been positive and, and proactive in creating change and, and changing culture, whereas something like this, uh, Justice for Johnny Depp, also feels more like uh, uh, reactive and perhaps harking back to another time when women weren't believed. Um so I, I think I've, it's also though like it's that it's the kind of free for all like that that urge to be part of something mm. and in doing that in that rush to be part of it to be part of a movement to be part of a meme to basically say oh I get that because memes are really specific the amount of times I've had to google a meme and figure out what like go backwards and unpack it totally that happens all the time to me because they're the codes that they're saying the images that they're putting you've got to know what the story is to understand a meme and that's part of what it is to be in the club mm. so in that rush to be part of the club and to be part of this kind of viral movement, are we skipping over what's happening, what the story is? Does that then become irrelevant to the to the form of the meme? Because you can have in the same space free Britney, Britney and believe women, but you can also have justice for Johnny Depp absolutely going gangbusters. And what does that say about how we're thinking about taking a step back from that and going, hang on a minute, what's happening here? And if I'm part of this movement, can I be part of this movement too? And do I just want to be part of the movements? Like mm. it's that I think that's what she's kind of exploring, that we're kind of missing the horrific details of why we're memeing in the first place. Yeah. And she calls it this, you know, part of being this beliefs agnostic clout rush. Like, you know, aren't we clever for saying so? Like and subscribe. Like we just want to get in there mm. and it's that rush, that reactive rush of the internet, which is all about the now where things can be there and gone in a flash in a day and we lose the complexity of actually what we're memeing. Yeah. And that's what I feel like I'm looking at now because I do think that there are people who disbelieve Amber Heard and I think that there are people who disbelieve many women who have come forward with allegations of abuse but I also think that there's a big chunk of people who just have skipped over those confronting details of what they're memeing to be to be a part of this mm. and that's kind of scary isn't it that's in, that's a scary side of internet culture it really is and it challenges your understanding of what is real and what is fake so if something is absolutely going gangbusters online such as this 
it's it's harder to tell what's it's harder to make up your own mind even when you're seeing it constantly and it's coming at you and it plays into that whole notion of how how dark this this fake news cycle can be mm. and i think more and more people are confused about what's exactly going on cuz they're just getting it through this meme culture and it's kind of terrifying in a way I was talking to someone recently who's got a um, a teenage child, and they were telling me that they get their news through TikTok, um, which I don't well, think people is are getting a lot of thing. health advice through TikTok too. And look, it's some wild of it, though, isn't it? It's just it's like good, this is the but reality. It can't all be real, and it can't all be right. Yeah, and there's no context. There's no fact checking. It's um, it's very present. It's very real. Some would argue it's from the source, whatever the source is. But it's yeah, it's it's fascinating. And I think that like on just kind of a very sort of random tangent, but also very pertinent to the the week that we're having in the election that we're heading into. This kind of capture of short spurts of quotes, of gotcha moments, of little things that absolutely betray the complexities of what policy is, what a long-term government is, all of that, um, is of detriment to, to democracy and to, to the culture at large. Yeah. And I'm really interested to see what happens in the election off the back of that because there's been so many moments where I think the larger things that we face and that we're going to face in the very near future haven't really been discussed across this campaign and we're going into an election poll where there's plenty of people who are really politically astute and there's plenty of people who are completely lost faith in politics and I totally understand that and there's plenty of people who just have no idea what's going on and they're going to decide on the day. So um, I think that all of that stuff online really distorts that um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens on, on election day in Australia on Saturday. But yeah, it's kind of wild. wild. Times. It's kind of wild, <laughs> and and it's taken Amber Heard and Johnny Depp's court cases to bring us to this moment. Yeah, it's a great piece. It's short. I'll put it in the show notes as always. I think that if you've been um, watching this roll out, even if it's peripherally and not following anyone, but just seeing it pop up, just the sheer volume of it, um, this will resonate with you. Hey, before we get into our bang on, I know I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but yes. um, now that it's back, oh, so excited. Hacks has returned to Stan. We were massive fans of the first series. First two episodes dropped last Friday. They're dropping on a weekly thing, which is now the norm for streaming services, except for Netflix, where they do kind of, you know, um, just drip feed us as, you know, normal sort of broadcast television does um, with a week by week. But the first two episodes are up and Hacks is on the road with Deborah Vance and Ava once again going head-to-head. This time Deborah's out taking her um, very different show on the road. And I love an American road trip. I love this show. I am all in. I'm so excited for Hacks this season. So the new apps are good. Yeah, they are. I think that when you have a show that's set up on – Oh, what was that show we were talking about recently? Yeah, um, Star- Starstruck, how we were saying, oh, oh yeah. no, they're just going back to the same series where they're having the same will they or won't they. There is a, a little bit of that tension with Ava and, and Deborah, but that almost gets nipped in the bud like straight away. And the other part of it is that I'm reminded of the brilliant Megan Stolter who plays Kayla, Jimmy's assistant. Yes. I'd forgotten. <laughs> She's so funny. She's so, so funny. And um, and it's just great to see her and, and the rest of the incredible cast back. So, well, when I can't uh, yeah, sleep, I've got jet lag. I'll be, I'll be checking that out <laughs> over the next couple of 27 minutes, it's all you need. Brilliant, brilliant. Of course, I've not done much other than watch movies on the plane. And, and of course, I caught up with a whole bunch of stuff that I haven't seen. 
over the last year, which is quite a lot, actually. Um, and I managed to watch both uh, House of Gucci, which... Yes. Uh, <laughs> Finally. I've got to say. And also perfectly uh, context for heading towards Italy to uh, watch House of Gui- Gucci. House of Gui, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yes. Just, just leave that slip up in there. <laughs> House of Gui. House of Gui. Gucky, we like to call it in, in the post circles. Are you wearing Gucky or Versace? Um, oh, Versace. Remember Versace from, from Showgirls. Yeah. Uh, but Gucky is the other one. you got Gucky on. Um, House of Gucci, I, I really enjoyed the outfits and I really enjoyed the glasses and I really enjoyed the, the hair and, and all of that and the 80s-ness of it. That was quite magnificent. Um, got to say, though, the film itself almost seems like quite a, like a parody of a film in parts. <laughs> it's, 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 it's kind of so overblown and I think they thought they had Oscar material in there, but it's just the script wasn't strong enough for it to be Oscar material, but everything else is just fabulous, so I enjoyed it for that reason. Um, and I, I do think Lady Gaga did a brilliant job with Patrizia. Um, Patrizia. Yeah, but, yeah, it just, it just felt a bit, the whole thing felt a bit um, a bit overacted or something. Not, not necessarily her, but I feel like what the actors were trying to do with the script was very different to what the script was actually doing, which wasn't much. <laughs> was it a bit more daytime movie than Yeah, um, it felt a bit right. more, yeah, like Lifetime Channel or something. Yeah, um, Hallmark. Which, Hallmark, <laughs> that's it, Hallmark Channel, which I kind of enjoyed. And I've got to say I really related to Patricia, not because she is a, a murderer, obviously, spoiler there, but you'd know that if you know anything about the House of Gucci. <laughs> really resonated with uh, her murdering tendencies. Yeah, no, no, no. I just resonated with the fact that she can put on some of the most expensive clothes in the world and still it just didn't look quite right and it didn't look classy and I went, I know that woman. That woman is me. <laughs> and I liked it. It's nice to see that being portrayed. Um, yeah. And so if you see me in Gucci, it's only ever going to be gucky. Um, <laughs> and then I also watched something, a, a movie, King Richard, after all the Will Smith drama of a couple oh, of weeks ago, oh, which yeah. feels like an eternity ago. Oh, my God. I hadn't seriously. seen the film. And I, I guess the part of me was a bit resistant because I didn't really want to watch it. It seemed odd to focus on the father of two women who have, have had such incredible in- achievements in their life. That felt wrong to me. Mm. And so I was resistant in watching it. And when I finally watched it, look, it's, it's great. Too long, like all my movie reviews. Every movie is too long. Cut them down. I've had enough. I don't have time for your two and a half, three hours. <laughs> Give me an hour and a half. That's enough. Yeah, um, minutes. Too long. In but it hour. does actually deal with a lot of a lot of issues uh, culturally in America Things like racism and um, and you know socioeconomic disparities, that kind of thing. So it's actually quite an interesting film from that perspective, and I, I guess less disappointing in terms of not focusing on on the story of of uh, when the women were girls and and how they came through. So look, it's it's it, that too is a lot better than I expected. Um, okay, great. Yeah. So there you go. They're my two reviews. How's a gucky? And <laughs> King Richard, Love and it. I feel sad for Will Smith. You know, he deserved that Oscar, and he he, he kind of messed it all up, didn't he? Yeah. Well, I wonder what's going to happen now. I was actually out with some friends for dinner last night, and they were just like, "He's not coming back." And I'm like, "I feel like it's really hard to cancel men. <laughs> like, let's just look at the history. Oh. Like, most people come back. Yeah. So I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. There's a lot of people that have been cancelled. I mean, most are... people, you just like cancel. The cancel culture doesn't really exist, does it? I think there's a fear of it, but people always come back. Yeah. What are you banging anyway. on about? 
I'm banging on about a brilliant new record, which you've probably heard about this week. It's been one of the biggest drops of the week. Kendrick Lamar's new album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. I have not and it's, had, I, had a chance to listen, so tell me Well, what it's, it's like. the opposite of watching um, House of Gucci on the plane. It is a dense, dense listen. And I think it's kind of fitting, actually, if we're talking about meme culture being about short, simple, sort of reductive looks at things. This album is the opposite, you know. It's it's about the power of language, which Kendrick has always been, you know, a, a great proponent of. You know, he's a Pulitzer Prize winning rapper and it's super raw, very honest and explores territory that a lot of people wouldn't. You know, there's some really full-on stuff in here that you sort of need to listen to closely to understand the context that a lot of people will react to in different ways. Um But also it's interesting because Kendrick has often assumed characters, other characters in his work. He sort of steps into other people's shoes, literally changing his voice sometimes to tell stories from different perspectives. But on this album, he's really turning the focus on himself. And it's very revealing and really intense. There's one song on it, Mother I Sober, which is a moment that you won't soon forget. And I won't say just go straight to that song because you need to sort of listen to the whole record to get the context. But um, it's a double album. It's a it's a heavy listen. That's a gutsy move in this day and age, double album. That said, it's happening more and more because people, you know, in this age of streaming or when the only money that's being made is by this huge rise in vinyl sales where you can chuck the double album, you know, have a four LP record churning out for 120 bucks or whatever, um, and streaming has no limits. You don't have to worry about the however many minutes fits on a CD, you know. It's um, it's not that rare anymore. Um, so, you know, interestingly, Arcade Fire put out a record a couple of weeks ago and that's their shortest ever. So it doesn't always, you know, work for everyone. But this is a big record from Kendrick and um, you got to be in the right headspace to listen to it. But listen to it with headphones. I was listening to it at home. I listened to it first with headphones. Literally when it dropped, it was one of those moments where, and that doesn't happen very often, where mm. an album comes out at 2pm on the Friday worldwide and everyone's listening to it at the same time. And I say everyone absolutely aware of my bubble of music, friends, colleagues and fans, you know, but you felt that like in the office, we're all reacting in real time. You saw people tweeting and stuff. And there's not many artists in the world that, that, that you do that for, right? Like a person or a band releases a record and you're like, cool, I'm going to listen to that this weekend. Mm. But you don't press play as soon as it drops. But Kendrick Lamar, I press play as soon as it dropped. I wasn't alone. And listening to it with headphones is, um, quite the experience. So that's my bang on this week. Love it. Dig love in. It. I Dig will listen in. this weekend. I didn't listen this it week. It is for plenty to chew on, that's for sure. Beauty. <laughs> yeah, no, you should be watching hacks and having little naps with cucumbers on your eyes. Oh, that um, but just don't perfect. let Kendall cut them for you because she'll fuck it up. Yeah, she has exactly. no idea. I love it. I love it. Love that callback. Um, <laughs> hey, I missed you. I miss you too. I'm so glad you're back and, and safe and well and just bloody well done on hosting Eurovision. What a huge achievement and flying to Europe and back in a week. Also a huge achievement. <laughs> well done it can for be done. being cognizant at Bang On today. I don't, I'm not well, sure well I was done. that. I'm not sure. But uh, you're great. I you're gave great. it a go. I gave it a go. You're the best oh, around. You're the best. Oh. Can watch some Karate Kid this weekend. That'll keep you going. Yeah, exactly. A little throwback. <laughs> <laughs> I'm delirious. Yeah, all right, go to bed. I'll see you next week. Good night. Bye.
Hang on. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.